another episode of CadaverCast. I'm Al Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. We are coming to you from Frankenstein's Monkey Farm. Our topic today is Phantom of the Paradise, an old one. An old one, huh? Uh, It's from 1974, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 1974, Uh, which was written and directed by Brian De Palma, who, uh, if you've never seen Phantom of the Paradise or don't know anything about it, Brian De Palma, who made it, also made Carrie, the Sissy Spacek yep. original version of Carrie. Carrie is in Phantom of Paradise. The The woman who plays Carrie is actually in Phantom of the Paradise. Well, she's not in it. She was the set dresser. Yes, yeah, she was the set dresser. Yeah, which is interesting. Yeah. She did a couple movies as set dresser before her star turn in Carrie. But we're not watching this this weekend because... Sissy Spacek worked on it. Why did we watch it? Because we actually met Beef from Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> yeah, Garrett Graham. Garrett Graham, yeah. Garrett Graham, also uh, Bud. The Chud. Bud the Chud and Chud 2, which Al hasn't seen. But Chud 2, Bud uh, the Chud. So we met Garrett Graham over the weekend. If mm-hmm. you follow us on Instagram or Facebook, you'll see that Al was hanging out with him. And uh, they got along fantastically. But uh, Garrett Graham was giving me flack for not having actually uh, shown Alistair this very movie yet. So here we are. Having watched Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah, absolutely. So we will have to get into some parental guidance stuff here for this particular movie. It is rated PG. But it is a 1974 PG, so parental guidance is, as with a lot of 1970s PG movies we've talked about on the show, very much highly necessary and recommended. There are uh, moments of gore, there's a lot of uh, adult innuendo, there is uh, one usage of a homophobic slur, and also the character of Beef... We'll come to beef. We'll talk about beef well, later. I'll give some parental guidance with regard to beef later, but we'll get to beef. But those are the those are some things to be concerned about. So if you're a child, if you're if you don't want them exposed to any of that, there you go. Um, Alistair really didn't seem to pick up on a lot of that stuff, and he didn't have a lot of questions about it. I think for the most part, it's so subtly handled that it can go right over a kid's head. And uh, I mean, I know when I saw movies like this as a kid. They didn't register with me at all. So, uh, you know, watch it first. But um, we ended up watching it because, yeah, we met Garrett Graham. Yeah. And he, he said Al should see it, and uh, which I agreed with, obviously. But it's one of the few Garrett Graham movies that Al could actually watch that is a horror movie. And also, Alistair, while we were there, was obsessing over the movie poster for Phantom of the Paradise. And of course, I remembered it since I read it over and over and over again. What did the poster say? 
He's been maimed and framed, beaten, robbed, and mutilated, but they can't keep him from the woman he loves. Yeah, and that you saw that uh, poster exactly a week ago, and you still remember it verbatim. That whole thing from the poster. So good I job. I even remember the big like sticker-looking whatever it was. It said he sold his soul to rock and roll, and yeah. that's what it said is on the T. DVD. So, you know, that's a part of the DVD. So, what's your initial reaction to this movie? Was there anything that surprised you? Well, I was surprised that I couldn't figure out Robbed. Oh, was... well, they stole his music, remember? Right, yeah. Yeah, so the poster actually is correct. Yeah. He yeah. was maimed, framed, beaten, robbed, and mutilated. All of that is in the movie. And we'll get we'll come to that individually, I think. But like there was something about the movie that I don't think you expected when we turned it on. What were people doing from the moment the movie started? Singing? Yeah, absolutely. So it's I called it a monster call. Yeah, it's a monster. a monster and musical, so I called it a monster call. Yeah, so it's a monster musical, a monster call, if you will. And yeah, I think you were you were surprised by that, but you seemed way into it. Yeah, I didn't even say that. I I knew immediately as there was singing. I knew it was like that's a musical. Bingo. Yeah. Yeah, and the music here is written by, uh, the the music and lyrics written by Paul Williams. Paul Williams, listeners, you would know, apart from this, I guess, best for having written the song Rainbow Connection the from the Muppet movie. He also wrote a number of tunes for The Carpenters. Um, he, he wrote a lot of stuff. I recommend just looking him up. And he's done so much that I think when you see his credits, you'll go, oh, oh, he did that thing. Oh, and, and I think you'll I think you'll appreciate how prolific he's been and how much you recognize if you look him up. So why don't you talk a little bit about the movie, Al? Um, wh- whatever springs to mind here. I don't know. I don't have any specific questions, but, you know, what what sticks out to you about it? You know, I mean, you got that poster memorized, you know, what what things stuck out to you? From the narrative with regard to the poster, what stuff did you like? What stuff didn't you like? What What are your thoughts on this thing? Should I talk about from the beginning? No, let's not go through the whole plot. I mean, the plot's simple, right? The yeah. I mean, the Phantom Winslow is Winslow. working on a cantata, so he's working on this giant musical piece, right? And what's the name of it? I don't remember. Faust. Faust. And the story of Faust is one that I don't think you were familiar with until we watched the movie last night. And what what is the basic story of Faust? Winslow explains it. Faust is a magician. I think he was a magician or something. He and he sold his soul to the devil. That's what Winslow said. Yeah. So that's the story of Faust, and the movie is also the story of Faust. It's the same thing um, with a Phantom of the Opera business going on. So it's Faust plus Phantom. Plus, instead of a magician, it's a music-making guy, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I mean, that's kind of magical, too. The ability to write music that moves people, that makes people feel emotions. There's a magic to that. You know, so I would say he's, he's got some magical qualities to him. He also defies death. 
Yeah, so he can't And there's die. actually magic in the movie, too. There is? Yeah. Remember? I mean, there are spoilers oh. for, obviously, spoilers for the movie, because we're talking about it. And also, it came out in 1974, so, you know, the movie is then uh, 45 years old. And uh, in the end of the movie, we find out that... Uh, Paul Williams' character. Paul Williams is in the movie. He plays a character named Swan who swindles uh, all the music out of Winslow and frames, has him beaten, robbed, and mutilated, all of that stuff. And we find out that he made a literal deal with the devil. And so there's magic there. So there's actually magic in the movie, too. Yeah, and then, um, but the Phantom didn't actually use a deal deal with the devil. He made basically a deal with the one swan that made a deal with the devil. Oh, yeah. If Swan dies, he basically the Phantom tried to kill himself, but he couldn't die. Yeah. So there's magic involved, too. And the only reason that the Phantom gets involved in the magic is he does make this deal with Swan, who's already like a devil's servant. Yeah. And Swan can't die. Yeah. Basically, he almost can't die. So we've already skipped to the end of the movie, <laughs> as is true, cadaver cast fashion. But let's go back, though. Let's go back. You know, so this is the story of Faust, obviously, story of Phantom of the Opera. Music gets stolen. The Phantom wants a very specific person to sing his songs, right? Who's yeah. that person? Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that Phantom angle. Okay. So when he was not the Phantom, he hasn't been maimed or framed or anything yet. But he was robbed. They took his music by this point. Yeah, he was robbed. And he went into this place with women, only women, singing his songs. And one of them singed it just like he was singing, I guess. Yeah, she was really good. She's a really good singer. Yeah. What's her name? Totally forgot it. Phoenix. Phoenix, yeah. There's a whole bird thing going on in this movie. You've got Swan, you've got Phoenix, you've got Death Records, which is Swan's label, which has a dead bird, right? And then yeah. the Phantom himself wears kind of a bird mask. Yeah. And then you got Beef, and as we all know, Beef comes from birds. Burbs. The birds. <laughs> no, I'm joking with you. It comes from cows, man. You know this. Beef is cow. I know. I'm messing with you. Uh, the look no. of confusion on your face there. <laughs> it's, it's a, I don't know. It's not a dad joke. It's just goofy. So, uh, Beef is the only one who's not a bird character, if you will. But uh, Phoenix. So he meets Phoenix. What's going on there? Yeah. Played by uh, Jessica Harper. I, I believe think... Jessica Harper in her first movie role. Yeah, that was her first movie. And movie. she went on to be in Suspiria. Suspiria. <laughs> Dario Argento Suspiria as Susie Banyan. Susie Banyan in Suspiria. <laughs> so, Phoenix. Phoenix? Uh, he falls in love with Phoenix, basically? That's yeah. what the story basically tells you? Like in Phantom, right? Uh-huh. And Phoenix has to, like, sing this song but she has to they want them to be screamers not singers screamers yeah yeah that's a weird thing 
looking for screamers, they say. I don't really understand that bit. That's George Mamoli uh, as the character whose name I can't remember. Guacamole. Guacamole. Uh, He's in a movie that we recently did on the Patreon show Cinemuck. He's in a movie called Hot Potato that we talked about on there. Potato. And he's also got a bit part in Rocky. So George Mamoli there uh, tells her he wants her to be a screamer. But she sings and she knocks the socks off of everybody. Yeah, then she has to go in this place where they like sit on this bed and then Swan comes out. I'm confused what happened there. Okay, good. There's some there's some adult stuff there that went over your head. Perfect. Keep going. Yeah, I, I forgot what happened after that. Well, I'm not too worried about the order of things, right? Yeah. I mean, just what's some stuff that you like? What's some stuff you want to talk about? Is I there wanted... anything you wanted to talk about with Phoenix in particular? Yeah, Phoenix, she sings like love songs, basically. Sure. She does do that, and then... The second time when she was going to sing, when they opened the door, they were like, the people were like, Phoenix, and reaching and like yeah. screaming Phoenix. And then on the roads, they were picking people screaming Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix. Yeah, she becomes famous, right? Yeah. Because she's that good. But she's only famous because of that relationship with the Phantom, with Winslow, who becomes the Phantom of the Paradise. The Paradise uh-huh. is Swan's. Uh, like nightclub, like a music hall. Basically. And it's kind of like his dream project to build this music hall or whatever. And she eventually becomes the star of it thanks to Winslow's interference. Yeah. So you're right. She sings love songs because basically her role is that, you know, of the character in The Phantom who uh, the Phantom of the Opera wants to have be the star singer. And so this phantom wrote the songs for her. They don't really have a relationship, though. She kind of doesn't know that he's still alive. And it's kind of a one-sided relationship. You know, he's infatuated with her, but she thinks he's dead. And so the love songs, he kind of, I think, is interpreting wrongly that they are, you know, directed from her towards him, even though he wrote the songs for her to sing. Yeah. So he's a bit misguided, for sure. But... She thinks that he's not alive, and she's in love with Swan. Kind of, yeah. I mean, whether or not she's in love with Swan, I don't know. What do you think? She was, at the end of the movie, they were getting married. Sure, but I don't know if she's getting married out of love so much. Um, She's more in love with being famous, you know? Yeah. This is a story about fame and greed she and wants to be famous. That's probably why she wanted to marry Swan. Yeah, so and she, she could signs be more famous. Exactly. So in the same way that Winslow signed a contract earlier in the movie, a contract with the devil, so to speak, metaphorically. Um, only one character actually has a contract with the devil. Everybody else has contracts with Swan. But that Swan is basically contracted with actual devil. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's by proxy. They're making deals with the devil. Uh, Winslow does it in order to get his music out there, which is a form of fame. And then Phoenix does it, you're right, for fame later on. I I don't know how much love plays into it, but she certainly loves the attention that she gets from the audience. You know, the people, like you said, reaching in the door saying, Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix. You know, she loves the attention and she doesn't want to give that up. Yeah. And... 
I think it would be easy to get in there. Just duck under arms. Easy. Do, 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 do. Do you think she should, like, swim through the crowd? That's what you're saying? No, the people could just all duck under arms and zoom, one by one, get under there. You're seeing this as, like, a video game kind of scenario. <laughs> Basically. Duck could- and roll. Duck and Roll, the new video game about Phantom of the Paradise. Yeah, Duck and Roll, the Phantom of the Paradise video game. Get yeah. Phoenix out of the Paradise. Level yeah. three or something. Yeah. No, level, it's the last level. Oh, that's of the main Phantom boss? Phantom of the Paradise is it's Swan. Celebrity? No, no, the last boss is Swan. And all you have to do is get under Swan's arms and get to Phoenix. Then you ah, win. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> this is also about Phoenix, Phantom, and Beef. Um, Before Phoenix sings her the love song, there's like this song about these guys fake destroying people in the audience and making them into a person. Like, they're basically zombies. But then Beef comes out looking yeah. like he was sewed together. Yeah, they they have a whole bit, the opening night of the Paradise, where, yeah, the musical number is chopping up audience members to then build the star of the show, Beef. But yeah. But here's my question for you. How is Beef the star of this show? Wasn't Phoenix supposed to be star of the show? Because Swan said that he thought Beef was good he wanted Beef to sing it. He wanted Beef, yeah. But what what about Phoenix, though? Like, didn't Swan agree to let Phoenix star in the show in order to get the Phantom, Winslow, to write the rest of the cantata? Hmm, I don't know. Why isn't Swan doing that? I don't know. Well... Why, why do you think? Let's get some speculation here. Even if you don't know, why would you think he would do it? He probably wanted Swan to write the rest of the katana so or Winslow. B with Winslow tell him that so Beef could actually sing it instead of Phoenix. So what you're saying is Swan lied yeah. to get what he wanted. Yeah. So there's some clear commentary here about, you know, these fame industries, not just music, but I think any form of celebrity, like when you make a deal with somebody who is promising you the world, they can't deliver the world, and maybe they have no intention of delivering the world. They're just looking to get out of you what they want while giving you the bare minimum of what they can agree to. And I think that's what Swan represents here. You know, he's lying Mm -hmm. to get what he wants, and he's a bad dude, you know? Yeah, since he's also with a contract with the devil. Yeah. So, yeah, he's going to be lying. Yeah, I mean, he's got, the, he's got the devil on his side. So, not a cool guy, for sure. So, Beef comes in, and he wanted something different, right? Like, Phoenix is such a good singer, but he wanted something different and new, and he found Beef. Like, and what, like a rock and roll, basically. Yeah. And, like, what happens is, before... Um, the thing with beef inside, there was, like, this fake lightning bolt that came in, and then it went out and, like, um... Well, let's talk a little bit more about beef before, because you're getting to the end of beef's storyline. But, like, yeah. let's talk about beef, because you met yeah. Garrett Graham. You met yeah, him. Yeah, right? I did. Garrett Graham, uh, for those of you who don't know, got his start in film working on earlier Brian De Palma films. He was in a film called Greetings, 
uh, which recently came out on Blu-ray in a box set called De Niro and De Palma, the early films or early years. And uh, his first movie role was in this movie called Greetings. And then he was in a movie called Hi Mom, which is sort of the sequel to Greetings and would go on to be in Phantom of the Paradise also with De Palma. Before that... He saw the phantom in his shower. Like, yeah. he, he has a knife, like the shower yes. curtain. He stabs it without him knowing and then makes a crack, looks in it. Basically, in the phantom cuts the shower while Beef is in the shower. Yes, he cuts the shower curtain. And then Beef sees him. Phantom has a plunger for no reason. Yeah. Plunges, like, puts the plunger on his mouth so he yeah. can't speak. Then he says, if anybody tries to sing the song except Phoenix, they will die. Yeah. Since he will kill them. So it's a it's a threat on his life. And the Phantom's already killed or tried to kill. Did he actually kill the Beach Bums band? Did he actually blow those guys up? What? The guys on the car. Did he actually blow them up or did they get away? I think he blew them up, what right? Guys? Remember earlier in the movie there was the, the surf song about carburetors? Yeah. And he put the bomb on the car, and then the bomb blows up. Did that band actually get blown up? It was only the car. Okay, okay, gotcha. So he's already been terrorizing the place, but now he's threatening to kill Beef. Yeah, but then he's like, I'm going home to Cincinnati to see my mommy. Yeah. And And they're like, you got a show to do. Exactly. So they they force Beef to do the show. Let's talk. I want to talk about Beef for a second because this is another parental guidance thing. Uh, to think about beef is he's one he's a rock and roller like al said you know he's kind of like a proto heavy metal uh shrieking you know like punk kind of metal icon right but when he's not on stage doing that stuff beef is a very sort of stereotypically flamboyant effeminate kind of a character and it's a it's very much like a 1970s kind of a portrayal. So, um, you know, I I think that it's not handled in a way where it's like a punchline. I think that's just the character. And I don't yeah. think they ever like with his effeminate behavior. I don't think they ever are using that specifically as like a punchline to a gag. Like there's no joke like, you know, about him being gay or something like that. They don't make any jokes about that. He is just an effeminate character. But that is more, I think, to counteract that image that he's putting on, which, again, is this commentary on, you know, celebrity that we have this image of people, but there's somebody completely different behind the scenes. You know, like what we see on the stage and what we hear in the music isn't necessarily who they are all the time. And Beef is symbolic of that. You know, he plays this like heavy metal kind of like fighter monster character on stage. But... You know, he's he's a scaredy cat. You know, he's just a performer. So when he gets threatened by the Phantom, he tries to get out of there, like Al says. Yeah. And they force him to do the show. And all I talked about. uh, Yeah, they build him into a Frankenstein monster. Then he does like part of the song. The lightning bolt comes in, basically. But then it was the Phantom throws the lightning bolt. Yeah, it's like a prop from the set. it's still on and zaps beef. Yeah, he gets electrocuted to death. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really cool uh, sequence. The way that's shot is really cool. 
uh, like, it's edited really choppy like, so it kind of feels like being electrocuted. He's still like he's still singing the song, but he's like shaking and yeah. Like, yeah. And, you know, people criticize, and this is to get into a bit of film geek stuff here, bud, but people criticize De Palma a lot for just ripping off Hitchcock and things like that. And I mean, yeah, the shower scene is very much like a Hitchcock reference. Um, but I think something like the electrocution, it's it's filmed and edited in a way that I think stands out as clearly De Palma and nobody else. So I, I like that a lot. I think it's really stylish. This whole movie's super stylish and super yeah, fun. Yeah, it is super. It is really super fun. So Beef is electrocuted. Sadly, uh, Garrett Graham isn't in more of the movie. I think he's fantastic. I love the character of Beef. I wish he was in more of it. But uh, I think he makes such an impression with the little bit of time he gets in the movie that Maybe any more and he'd overstay his welcome? I don't know. Who's your favorite character? I actually would say the Phantom would actually be my favorite character. Sure. He's really sympathetic. Yeah. He's cool looking. He's got those metal teeth that Swan got, gives like, him. The metal teeth. He got he got beaten up, <laughs> basically. Yeah, he, he got framed. Maimed. I'll, I'll just say the thing. Yeah, say it again. He was maimed and framed, beaten, robbed, and mutilated. Yep. But can't keep him away from the woman he loves. Yep. Phoenix. No, but they can't keep him. From oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You remember it verbatim. I I don't quite. No. Uh, don't Sorry. <laughs> I wanted to talk about he found the thing that tells us about how Swan gets the contract with the devil. Yeah. He wanted to be always young, and he decided to kill himself with the mirror. Yeah. To, into, like, a devil, basically, the one in the mirror. Is yeah, like, the swan in the mirror becomes the devil, you know, and it's, like, talking sense. to him, right? This contract with the devil he makes with a reflection of himself in the mirror that becomes the devil. Yeah. That's cool. But it doesn't actually become the devils. It still see. It still looks like Swan. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that part of the movie is weird to me because the movie would... does stop for like a solid five minutes to just show us that video. I think it's because he didn't want him to know that it was the devil or the devil can't actually turn into the devil and mirrors. Well, I Whatever think, of those. I think. Here's I what say. I think. See what you think of this. Here's what I think about that. I think the reason that the devil appears to Swan as Swan is because the person that Swan loves more than anybody else is who? Swan. Swan. And so if yeah. you're if the devil's going to make a deal with Swan and he appears to Swan as Swan, who is Swan going to trust? Swan. Yeah. Right? And I think that's what's going on there. I think if he appeared like, if he appeared to Swan as anybody else, it wouldn't work. Like, if he appeared to him as yeah. a monster, Swan would be like, hold up, monster. I don't trust you. I only trust me. But he's talking to Swan. Devil's smart, right? That's the, the devil. Devil's tricky in these movies, you know? And that's the thing yeah. about the Faustian contract with the devil is, you know, it's it's a trick. You know, he it's a trick. He only trusts himself. So... Yeah, I think that would... He does love only his self yeah. more than anybody else. 
And he wants everybody to love him, and he wants everybody to serve him, and uh, he's he's completely self-absorbed, so that's why that works. You know, and for Winslow, what he wants is for somebody to recognize that his music is special, and that's why he falls for Swan. You know, that Swan yeah. tells him, like, no, your music is good, or he hears that Swan wants to produce a record, and so he gives in to that. Okay. Okay, I see. It's a complicated movie, right? Complex. It's just like he's basically half devil since he knows what he wants. He wants people Swan. to like. Swan's basically half devil, so. Yeah. He knows what people want. He can yeah. read people. Yeah. He he's also been around minds. for a long time. He can't read their minds, but he's been around for a long time. Yeah. You know, on, on one hand, you know, he's made a deal with the devil. But like I said earlier, he represents the devil in Winslow and Phoenix's stories, right? He's the devil with whom they make a contract. Not the devil, but a devil. Yeah, not the devil. Mm-hmm. It's probably more than one devil. Well, no, I don't mean he's like a literal devil. I mean, he's representing a kind of devil. Yeah, he's you representing. Know, the kind of, like, a devil here meaning a bad person who will take advantage of you. It's metaphorical. Yeah. You know, it's he's not also literal. He's been there for a long, 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 well, long I mean, he's, time. He hasn't, um, he hasn't been around for like centuries or anything. He's just stayed young for a long time. He's maintained his youth for about 20 or 30 years longer than he should have or something like that. It's time for Basically Best. All right, man. Coolest monster moment. What is it? <sighs> It's weird because it's not quite a monster movie. Let's it does just, have monsters in it. Let's just say phantom or... What phantom moment? Because the, okay. the, the phantom is the title character. So... Just the best um, ca main character part, basically. No, no, no. What's your favorite moment? I don't mean like a character. Don't cheat here. Okay. Don't say the whole phantom character. What's your favorite phantom moment if the I phantom is your favorite? I think I would say when he electrocutes beef. Yeah. That would be that would be my beastly best. Okay. Mine's not like an actual monster moment. It's the it's sort of like a performative monster moment in the movie and it's when they're in that musical number and the the guys chop up the fake audience members and create beef out of the the audience members like fake body parts. I think, like, that's a really cool bit of hijinks. Yeah, so both of ours, like, connect. Yeah, yeah. And they both involve beef, right? Yeah. Which is no surprise since, you know, we we just met Garrett Graham. Yeah, and that's just our favorite part. Yeah. Garrett Graham, who also said Alistair is a really cool kid. Yes. How do you feel about that? I feel good from a person that's actually in a movie. Well, you've met other people from movies, of course. Yeah. Linnea yeah. Quigley and Ari Lehman, right? You met a bunch of people at these events, man. But, you know, this is the most recent because this was a week ago. Yeah, it's a week ago. Yeah. And, again, you can see Al's pick with Garrett up on Instagram. Yep. But uh, that's Beastly Best. Were you spooked by anything? Did you get spooked? I did get spooked. Yeah, where? When his head got crushed. Oh, Basically, yeah. I was almost going to turn it off, but when he covered his face, I was like, 
Yeah. Phew. Yeah, there's a little bit of gore, but in and he gets his head caught in a record press. Uh, the Phantom does. Winslow does. Yeah. Before he becomes the Phantom. And it burns into his face the the stolen Faust record. Like, it gets burned into his face, which is horrifying. But yeah. and his, they don't show like, much. His face only at the end. Yeah. His face is like his other face is zombified. Yeah, he's got like a whole melted face thing going on. Yeah. He's half zombie, basically. Yeah, and, and we see blood, and you get a couple glimpses of the gore from the, the record press. I didn't I didn't see that. No, it's like really quick. It's as he's running away. You can kind of see a little bit of it if you really look closely, but there, it's I not did, much. and I was so scared. I was like, I'm not looking close at this. So yeah, I, like, so that was an eye-covering moment for you? Yeah. Yeah? I would have closed my eyes, but when they covered it, I was like, I'm going to cover my eyes when it gets out, but like, oh, we covered it. He, yeah. he covered the parts that I was going to cover for, so that's good. There you go. <laughs> I'd agree that's kind of the most upsetting moment in the movie, like sort of viscerally upsetting when he gets that record pressed into his face. That is that is sort of upsetting. Uh, I don't know that I was particularly spooked at that, any moment. I was only spooked by that part. Yeah. Let's just say that's the spookiest part. It's more of a fun kind of a monster movie, but also, but it deals with some really complex issues like we talked about with yeah. fame and... You know, contracts with the devil and all that kind of stuff. It gets into some but you deep have territory. To sign with only blood. Well, yeah, that's a contract with the devil, man. It's signed in blood every time. Yep. There you go. I've got one more section I want to add on to here. I want to know what your favorite song was in the movie. We don't talk about musicals very Phew. often, but here we are talking about a musical, and I want to know what your favorite Monster song was. Cult. The monsticle, yes, it's our it's our first mm. monsticle on the show. Maybe have we ever talked about a musical? I don't think we've talked about a monsticle. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep calling it monsticle. <laughs> you, dude, you lay into it. That can be your branding. I don't. I don't think we've ever done a monsticle. I don't think so either. What's your favorite song though? So I think there's a lot of great songs. <sighs> Might have to think about it. Do you have yours right now? Oh, man, there's so many great ones. It is really hard to choose. Uh, I think the first time Winslow sings, I love that song. The opening song, which is like a mock, uh, sort of like a parody of 50s greaser tunes. That's a terrific song. Yeah, I the thought... The Beach Boys parody is a great song. I thought the first two of them, Juicy Fruits. Yeah, the Juicy Fruits, yeah. <laughs> and um, Winslow playing on the keyboard... And then the last song with Beef when he dies. Yeah. The, those are those are my favorite songs, I would I was, say. Yeah, I think the Beef song is... Is my number one. My number two would be the Juicy Fruits. Okay, Juicy Fruits is number two. Because I was going to say, I think both no, of us no. would agree that the that Beef song, when he takes the stage and then it ends with him getting electrocuted, that's my favorite song. Yeah. By far. So let's talk about the second favorites okay. then. And so that's Juicy Fruits for you? No, I actually... No, that one was Winslow on the keyboard. I thought yeah. that one. On the piano? Yeah, it, I, li- I, like, I like that one. I like that they just glued the juicy Winslow on the keyboard. Oh, yeah, he covers <laughs> up their sign with his sign. Yeah. yeah. That one's really great. I also think uh, Phoenix's song that she sings, the Our Love is an Old Love, that uh-huh. song. Yeah. That's a beautiful number. Yeah. That's a beautiful song, man. You know, when I first saw this movie, Alistair, and I didn't tell you about this, when I first saw this movie, I wasn't crazy about it. 
it was in the middle of a 24-hour horror movie marathon I went to. And so it was kind of weird watching it in that context. And there are a lot of other movies that were like really exciting around it. And it just felt kind of weird. But watching it with you last night, like it really landed for me. I'm now a big fan of this movie, whereas I wasn't really before. I, I think this this viewing has totally changed my perspective on it. And not just because I met Garrett Graham, because I loved Beef the first time I saw it, too. I thought he was great. But the whole thing works better now that I'm older and able to read read more into it about you know, celebrity in the media, and I'm more savvy in that regard. Is that it, man? Is uh, that Phantom yeah. of the Paradise? That's Phantom of the Paradise. Cool. Do you want to do our social media plugs? We'll try to do some if I remember. All them. right, all right. Instagram. Cadavercast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, like, I was just going to say Cadavercast. Yeah, we're on Instagram at Cadavercast. We're on we're Twitter. At Cadavercast. Cadaver underscore cast. Cadaver underscore cast. I was We're just on that. Facebook at the Cadaver Cast. Creators and Creeps Club, where Join. you can also see our pic, my picture with Gary Graham. Which is on Instagram, too. Uh, oh, no, yep. no, no. That's not on the Critters and Creeps Club. It's actually on our main Cadaver Cast page, because I can't have those pictures filtered into the Critters and Creeps Club. When I post on Instagram, they automatically post to the Cadaver Cast page and not the club page. So... Sorry about that. So we use the club for different things, I guess. Basically. And then, uh, okay, so Instagram, Cadavercast. Twitter, Cadaver underscore cast. Cast. Facebook, Cadavercast, or the Cadavercast Critters and Creeps Club. And you can email us at cadavercast at gmail.com. You can also support the show with, uh, you know, your ratings and reviews on iTunes or whatever. And you can become a patron at... Word salads. Nope. <laughs> Patreon.com. <laughs> Slash word salad. I haven't done this in a while. No, we haven't recorded in a while. Um, <sighs> so there, there you have it. There's everything. Alistair, you know what to do. You've been listening to another episode of CadaverCast. I'm Al Burnham. And I'm Cadaver Dad Jeff Burnham. Thanks. Thank you, everyone. We love ya. Beef. I'm gonna go until you turn it off. Beef.